We are finishing the book of Jude this morning, and when I say finish, it's one of those things you, you kind of stop and go, wow, finish. It's very, it has so many parts and, and pieces to it, but we have one, we're going to wrap up the book of Jude in one more message, and we're going to look at three final steps that Jude seems to linger on as he is signing off in his writing. But maybe just to abbreviate and go back a little bit, two weeks ago we were looking at Jude and he was speaking about how he wanted to write about a common salvation. He just wanted to write to the church about uh, the grace of God, the love of God, the work of the Lord. He got stopped and he needed to write to them that they would earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And Jude says, I've got this burden. I thought I was going this way. God put me this way. And God began to do these amazing things. In the next message, we, we, we were looking last week at a couple areas in which we saw as Jude was summarizing this writing and one of the areas in verse 17 that Jude was teaching was to stay very close to the word of God. Let the word of God be your anchor, your direct guide, your leader in every way. And Jude had another area he gave us in verse 20, and that was to build yourself up in the most holy faith. Be a builder in God's kingdom. Be on the construction gang. Be involved in creative work in the kingdom of God as God is speaking to us. Now today, we're going to begin reading in verse 20 down through the rest of the chapter, and we're going to see three last steps that Jude leaves for us, three last areas to consider as he is signing off in the writing here and this is one chapter, but in many ways, you could make two chapters, possibly even three chapters as you look at this book. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, first step, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. He gives us an inward look, and then he goes on, and we'll, we'll stop and look at this later, beginning in verse 22. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, even hating the garments spotted by the flesh. He says, I have an outward step for you to take. Take the risk to help other people. And you'll see a couple ways he hits that dimension as we look at this a little deeper. And then he ends up this chapter so beautifully. It is, it is such a, a bedrock for the Christian faith in 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And Jude starts giving us an upward look at the one who makes it possible, who keeps you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. And as we look at this this morning, I pray that God can just, it seems like 
One of the things I've noticed with many of the epistolary writings, as the writers are writing inspired of the Holy Spirit, the end of the writing, they're just kind of sharing their heart. They're saying, here's some final takeaways. Here's some last areas that I want to give you, because I, I, I may never see you, but remember these last areas because they're so important. And first, in verse 21, Jude As he writes, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Jude seems to say, I want to talk to you about the inward look. Look inside first. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Let God work in your life. It seems like sometimes we we are ready to go, but God might say, stop. Let me work within you. I need to do something inside your heart that maybe yet I have not been able to do or you have not seen. And Jude just simply says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, I want to uh, speak of this in a way in which it's important we get. Sometimes we can look at something like this and we can think, well, what Jude is saying is just firm up, make those convictions, stand strong, don't make mistakes, don't sin. And maybe all of that could fall somewhere in the context that he's writing of keeping yourselves in the love of God. But there's something else so important that we get. And that is that that as we look at the the love of God, I see it like a fire. It's like a, a burning fire that is full of warmth and strength. And I remember a few weeks ago, we were in a group gathering, and there it was that it was fairly cold out for Phoenix and we were outside as it got dark at night, and there was a fire going, and what we did is we just kept moving closer to the fire because we knew closer to the fire was where the warmth was. And I believe when Jude is writing this, he's saying, stay close to Jesus. Stay where, where the warmth is. Stay where you're able to find that that, that warmth and nourishment and refreshment because we recognize this and I believe it was no different than the time of Jude. All through the Christian church age, the enemy has been trying to take the church away from the warmth of the fire of God. He wants it any way he can. He'll snatch the passion out of our heart of revival. We'll lose this, the, the passion for the souls of men. And Jude is just saying, keep yourselves in the love of God. But he expands this, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And so he's saying, not only do you keep yourself in God's love, but you wait for God's mercy. You wait because you need that mercy. You need that mercy every day in order to survive in a world that's throwing everything at you and I in so many different ways. Just about 1,700 years ago, this time of year, something took place in Sebasti, Turkey, that was somewhat amazing. The emperor at that time of Turkey was a man named Licinius, and Licinius was noticing something with his army. They were coming to Christ. They were becoming Christians. But he was concerned they may not be faithful to him. And Licinius began to persecute the Christians he knew was in his army. And they they began to sing a song together. And that song was this. "We We will follow you. We will fight for you. But we are in the Lord's army and we will not deny our Lord. 
And they would sing this, and Licinius took them to different levels of persecution. He had to stop this. He was concerned. These men may not be ready to face the real, the real battle that's out there. And finally, someone suggested that right in the largest camp, there was a large lake. And he says, I think I have a solution. You just take these men and have them disrobe, and that lake is frozen over in the winter. It's very cold and frigid wind comes across. And have the ones that are going to stand for Jesus walk out in the middle of that lake and say, you'll be there until you want to come back from the lake. But then he said, I want you soldiers to take pots of hot water and put around the lake. And you tell the soldiers, whenever you're ready to walk away and deny your Lord, it's not going to be a big deal, you can, get, you can have warm hot water. And 40 men still said yes to God. 40 men went out in that lake and the frigid waters began to blow. Winds began to blow. The frozen conditions were evident there. And history records that those men just kept singing that same song. 40 men. We will fight for you. We will walk with you, but we will not deny our Lord. 40 men. We will not deny our Lord. And I believe this is what Jesus, Judas, is, uh, Ju, Judas is speaking about here. And as the night went on, the voices got more faint. The cold was setting in. They weren't going to make it. It was too cold out there, and they knew it. 40 men on the ice, 40 soldiers for the Lord. We will fight for you. We will walk with you, but we will not deny our Lord. And one of the soldiers finally started crawling back to the shore. And the soldiers standing there on the bank were just overwhelmed, and they welcomed him, and they brought him to that warm pot of water waiting for him, and he got inside. And the, the change was so strong that he died. And they began to sing 39 soldiers on the ice. 39 warriors for the Lord. They kept singing. We will fight for you. We will walk with you. But we won't deny our Lord. And all of a sudden they saw something among the soldiers. One soldier started taking off his clothing. And he began to walk out there. And here he went out there in the middle of these guys that were going to die. And that chant turns from 39 soldiers on the ice for the Lord to 40 soldiers on the ice. 40 soldiers for the Lord. And we will fight for you. We will walk with you, but we will not deny our Lord God. And here it was that these soldiers, eventually that night, all the singing stopped and it was over. And the next morning, Licinius said, let's get the, all, the, all the bodies and dispose of them. And they found one little boy that was still alive. They summoned his mom. But barely, they says, we think he'll make it. And his mom says, he's a Christian. Let him die with the rest of them. Now that was 1,700 years ago, just right now. In, three, in, in, in 320. But something is really interesting about that story for me, and that is that as the Lord is, as we're looking at this, and Jude is writing, saying, keep yourself in the love of God, 
waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into your life. Stay close to the warmth. But there's other warmth there too that isn't really warmth. And what happened that night with that one soldier, he thought, I'm gonna get off this, off this lake, and he loses his life. And so as Jude begins to process this teaching, these last three steps, we're going to see that warmth that the Lord is writing about that we are to stay close to. And it is his presence, his power, his work, his majesty. Acts chapter 11, verse 22 This is a story that surrounded Barnabas, an amazing man. But it says, the news about them reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem. This was about those Christians, just like the ones in the ice. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch to minister to them. And he arrived and witnessed the grace of God. And he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. I believe when Jude is saying, keep yourself in the love of Christ, he's saying, remain true to God. You have a lot of choices, but remain true to God. Jude is just simply saying, make the choice to be true to the Lord. Because when you make the choice to be true to the Lord, God is there. Now, what I want to do for just a moment as we look at this first area, and we're thinking about keeping close to God's love, I I had desired maybe to spend more time on all these characters that were mentioned in the book of Jude, but briefly in places, but briefly I do want to address them. And one is the area in verse 7, which was Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you remember correctly, Sodom was the city that Lot chose to dwell in, and finally it got so wicked and it was so corrupt that God finally pronounced judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And I believe what Jude is writing about is remember the loving God that has that warmth and all of that blessing is also a God of judgment. He is a God of righteousness. He is a God of equity in every way in his life. And Jude says, Sodom and Gomorrah, and as they went after all this strange flesh, they finally met the judgment of God. And what is amazing is Jude is just simply saying, God is God, but he's true to his word. He will stand for what he says, and he will fulfill his word completely. It doesn't matter what anyone else says, God's word is true. In verse 9, we see one of the characters, characters that's referred to. This is Michael the archangel. Now, Michael the archangel in many ways is referred to as a superstar angel. He was the one that just was used in the most great areas of conflict, You'll find Michael referenced different places. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Revelations chapter 12, verse 21. But what, notice what it did, what does with Michael. And I'm still thinking about staying close to the Lord. Keep yourself in the love of God. In verse 9, but Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil, argued about the body of Moses did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord Lord rebuke you. What does that tell you? It's like Michael said, I'm not gonna take my strength and match it up against yours. I'll let God do the rebuking. I'll let God fight the battle. And I believe what Judah's doing is he is engaging the church in his writing into proper spiritual warfare, even as he's addressing these different people. 
Michael would have been known as a superstar angel. He could take them all out. Maybe the greatest strong, strong man, if you bring in angels that ever walked the face of the earth. But when he came to the place of disputing with the body of Moses, he said, no, the Lord rebuke you. I don't want to go there. I'll let God rebuke you. And I believe this is, this is back this, keep yourself in the love of God. Stay close to God and his strength. You know, when we jump out there in our own strength, I, I go down to the gym now, and I'm down at the gym, and I'm watching some pretty strong guys down there. But you know what? None of that strength is strong enough to stand up against the, the fiery darts of the devil. We, we've got to stay close to the Lord. We've got to stay very close to the Lord. Now, there's another dimension we find here within the text, and I'm just going to jump over these names. In verse 11, woe to them. And he's speaking about those people that are attempting to attack and, and divide and devour and conquer. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. They went their own way. That was Cain's way. He chose a different sacrifice. And when God called him out for not using a blood sacrifice, he became bitter, and it brought forth the first murder. He went his own way, doing his own will. And this is so important when we think about keeping ourselves in God's love, that we want to do God's will. It should be a prayer in every heart. God, you know, here's this circumstance. We're trying to make a decision about the house or the car or the job. But God, I just want your will. I don't want anything but your will. Cain sought his own will, and it ended in death. And the heir of Balaam, they rushed headlong into the heir of Balaam. And here for a moment, Jude is just simply saying, look what happened. They went the way of Cain. They went the heir of Balaam. And you say, well, the heir of Balaam. What was the heir of Balaam? And, and frankly, for years, I would kind of look at that, and it's a little bit uh, confusing, and maybe it still is to me, but really what the heir of Balaam was, and this is kind of a simple way of putting it, is Balak, the king of Moab, saw he was getting beat by the Israelites, and he came to Balaam, the prophet, and said, Balaam, I'll work you a deal. I'll pay you to enter into a relationship with me, and all I want you to do is curse the people, your people. And you know what? Balaam was a prophet of God. But he played the game with Balak. He never cursed the people, but he kept taking money. He kept playing the game with Balak. And when God turned around, remember, you remember the story, some of you remember the story, that he was on his way going down the road to see Balak, and here comes the donkey, you remember the donkey, and the donkey spoke to Balaam, and Balaam beat the donkey, and the donkey says, why? And, but you know, when the Lord spoke to Balaam, Balaam, he said, just keep going. It was like, keep playing your game. And I think this is so important to recognize that the enemy wants us to play with him. He wants us to negotiate. I think there's a place to step back. Balaam did not, did not step back. He was referred to then finally as one of these that Jude mentions who just played the game. He just played the negotiating game. He just said, you know, I, I think I could go here, but I'm not going to curse the people, but I'll take your money. And I think there's a place uh, that is so important in all of our lives that we say, God, what do, what do you have here for me? And 2 Corinthians 6.14 is so uh, amazing regarding this. When Paul writes, and he says, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship is light with darkness? And you can look at that and you say, Lord, I've got to work with them, you do. 
But what it speaks about, another, another translation says, don't be unequally yoked. Don't get yourself in a relationship like Balaam did with Balak that you cannot follow God. You cannot make godly, wise decisions to his glory. And the Lord was speaking here of, uh, he brings in Balaam into this. And I'll, I'll mention one more in a minute, but how many of you remember the time when the big commercial that was going on, it was in the magazines, it was on TV, it was all over the media, was uh, when EF... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Raise your hand. I, I just want to, and I know we're going to pick up a little more of a senior class here, that, and, and, and I get into that too. Because that was back in the early 80s when E.F. Hutton was like the indomitable fortress in finan financial planning. And it was like they had it all together. And it looked like that they'll be there forever. And that was how they proposed them stuff. When we talk, People listen, yes. And I can still remember as a young guy looking at that going, they're not God though, Lord. They're not you. Ten years later, their group has been divided in like seven or eight parts. It disintegrates. It falls apart. When E.F. Hutton talks, God doesn't always listen. And you know, the amazing thing about the Lord is that the Lord, and I, and I love this about the truth of the word of God, I think it was by the, it, within 10 years, a country company had been dispersed. Someone tried to pick it back up in 2007. It fell apart. But one of the things that's amazing is when God speaks, it happens. And I believe that's one thing Judah's saying, even as he's drawing to the Cain's, the Balaam's, and we're going to look at another in Korah, and that is when God says it, it really happens. God is an awesome God. He's a jealous God, but he's also a righteous God, a truthful God. And when God says it, it happens. And that's why he is telling these believers, and I'm spending a little more time on this than the other ones probably this morning, stay close to God. You'll always be in the right place. Ask the question, Lord, what would you do? What do you want? And he, he speaks to the last one, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. And you say, Korah, what's that? And that's in Numbers chapter 16 through 18. You have a, a, a timeout, almost like a little timeout in the Bible, where it speaks about how the children of Israel rose up against Moses. And it wasn't just bad people. It was the leaders of Israel. It was Korah. He was actually a leader in Israel, and he rose up against Moses. And all of a sudden, Moses, the word of God says, Moses just fell on his face. And God says, stand back. And they said, what the, what, what's happened, Moses? You've taken too much on yourself. We're just as holy as you are. Give us the authority. And God really has authority lines. It's amazing. Every man and woman lives under an authority that we should be trembling of, under in the spirit of God. Because God says, step back. And God just opened up the earth. 250 people are dead. Just like that. When God speaks, it's amazing. And what happened from there is their friends came and there was another gentleman named Dathan and Abiram and they rose up and they said, why did you do that? You've just slain the, the, the prophets of God. And God says, stand back, Moses, stand back. And here came the plague. And the word of God says that plague swept through Israel and 14,700 people died, just like that. It wasn't the earth swollen up, but God was saying, 
Stay close to God. Respect the boundaries that I give you. Respect them. Our, our, our legislators, our officers, our church leaders, whoever it is, respect because there's something about it. The word of God even says re, re, rebellion is just like the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. It's an amazing thing that happens. Uh, how about this virus right now? This coronavirus that's going around and America now, I've just, I just noticed this morning in the news that uh, the state of Washington where we live, now they just found it in a care center and it's spreading quickly where we used to live. And one person has already died there. And we watch stock, stock markets just tumble and crash. And what you begin to see is fear rising. See, because if you don't have Jesus, you don't have security in a time like this. We might think, no, America is a great stronghold. We're the great, we're the great stallion. No, we're nothing. Because what this shows us, we have no idea. If you, if you listen to the experts, one says nothing's going to happen. And the other one says this is going to turn out to be an epidemic that will sweep the entire world. And they really don't know. But God knows. And what, it's really, what God's saying, what, what I take from that is we should be in awe of God right now. Because what God's showing us in a visual aid is all I gotta do is wiggle my finger and I can bring judgment like you've never seen on the face of the earth. I can knock out a whole country just like that. I can knock out a continent. I can change it. And I think when Judah's writing here and speaking about this area of keeping ourselves in God's love, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, I see here a reverential respect and fear for the very power and the greatness of God, that God can do things, and I think as Christians, we need to be speaking and pointing up to God in the middle of this. Now, we may, we may find the vaccine. It may have been found. Someone told me last night, I think it's found. But all God has to do is turn that little clock a little bit, and he'll have the world on their face. This is who he is. And this is why Jude is saying, when you're in this kind of area of warfare, that step to take to stay close to God is so important. What would Jesus do? Where would he go? How would he respond? How would Jesus speak? Whatever it may be. Because staying close to God is so essential of a step in these last days in which we're living. As we look into the second one up there, here, though, we're going to see something Jude shifts in the 22nd verse. He, all of a sudden, he changes. He has been speaking about looking inward, examining your life, staying close to the Lord God who, who has saved us and redeemed us. And now he says this, and have mercy on some who are doubting and save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Notice with me what Jude is saying. He's saying you have different ways to respond to different people and needs. Have mercy on some. Save others. Taking a risk, you got to go into the fire to get them out of the fire. Snatch them out of the fire even hating the garment polluted by the flesh. And, and that right there is keep a healthy hatred towards sin. Don't play with it. It's fire. It's the fire that, that consumes the other way. But here Jude is just simply saying, I'm going to give you this as Christians. Be discerning. 
Just like I was when I chose to exhort you, he said, to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered. Be discerning of God and have mercy on some. And I love that because what he's saying is, who are doubting, stretch out your hand and care. Give. Forgive. Maybe sometimes one of the greatest ways we ever extend mercy is just quietly forgiving. You think about that. I read, a, I read a story of a pastor that's preaching on forgiveness one Sunday at his church. And he finished, and he said, now the last thing I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna have anyone in this church who has a problem with forgiveness somewhere right now stand up. And over half the church stood up. And he says, that's expected. But he says, that's not fully truthful. He says, you're not really completely truthful. You're still struggling with forgiveness. He said, I'm going to ask you again. And this little church, everyone stood up but one little old sister. And he says, when I walked over to the sister and says, sit down. He says, how old are you? And she says, 93. He said, would you mind sharing with the congregation how God has given you the power to no longer forgive? And she says, yeah, it's really pretty simple. I just outlived all those people. But normally what God does with all of us, which is kind of interesting, he always gives us one more person, one more place. It's just amazing how God does that. And when Judah's speaking of this, he is speaking about balancing, but yet making a move to help. It might be the phone call. It might be the prayer. It might be the dinner. It might be the letter. It might be all kinds of things. But Judah's saying, some have, have mercy, but notice the last part, save others, snatching them out of the fire. And he's saying there's a, they're, they're caught in a snare that's going to take them to hell. It's dragging them down into a pit. Save them out of the fire. Don't let them get caught in a trap. They, you may have to get touched in a, in a way, and you'd have to be discerning here because you don't want to go everywhere. I lost a really good buddy that had been convict, converted from court. From, from heroin, and got convicted, he would go back into the bars, right with his buddies, after he'd been converted, and he had a, I'd never seen a man in my life with the fire of this guy, ever, to this day, and the day came, he took up it one more time, and he quickly became an addict again, and a couple years later, he was dead, so as, so as we speak about snatching them out of the fire, be discerning, but it's still saying, take a risk for Jesus, Whatever that means to you and I, I it may, may look different, but I want to give us what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 11 and one of the verse in 14. 5 11, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And here he's just simply saying, we make that response because we know who God is. And we are made manifest to God, and I hope we are made manifest also to your consciences. Verse 14, he says something else, though. He says, the love of Christ controls us. We step back in God's love and say, having concluded that, if one died for all, then all died. And he who died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their, on their self. Notice what he's saying? There's a place to say, God, I want to be careful here. I need Jesus just as much as anybody. I, I, 
I make mistakes like anybody else. But the other side of this, he's saying, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Some place, brothers and sisters, in this congregation, there is a place in the body of Christ to get out of our chair and go look someone in the eyes and say, I love you so much, I've got to tell you something I, I don't want to say. But other times, there's a place to just stop, simply stop and say, I'm going to put my arm around you in spite of how unloving you are because I know the love of Christ. And it even holds me back in such a way that I just wanna bless you. And this is what Paul, I believe, when he says, take the risk, the, we're looking at the outward, take the risk to help needy people. I think sometimes as the older we get in the Christian life, we've, we've been down that road before. I, I've been there, you've been there. You, you know the next chapter, so I'm not gonna go there again because I don't want to get burnt. But God says, still take the risk. He's telling the church, these believers, just take the risk, whatever that means to bless, to say, to be kind, to be loving, whatever it is. And now we look at the last area that Jude comes to, and it is the upward look that we want to leave you with this morning. Because what is so blessed about this book, as he starts giving us the problem, he ends with the solution, we, we started this morning looking inward, now we're looking upward, and Jude begins to just, I don't know why I thought this this morning, but because of working along the railroads for many years, you can hear a railroad a train coming sometimes for 10 miles away. The ground starts rumbling. The track starts making a little noise. Long before you see the smoke of the locomotive going up, there's movement coming towards you. And you know it's bigger than you are. And when you look at the word sometimes, it's like that too. The word of God comes alive. And this is what Judas doing. He's saying, I think it's like Jude saying, I couldn't wait to write this to you. I wanted to give you this. I wanted to give you the answer, the solution. But I had to shake you up for you to look at it. Sometimes we don't want to be lost till we know, be found till we know we're lost. Sometimes we've got to be shaken up in the spirit to really come to the place that we seek God with our whole heart and our pure heart. And notice how Jude enters into this. Now to him who is able. God is able, he's saying. God is completely able. He is able to keep you from stumbling. And so look what he's just done. He's told them to go out and take the risk. He's told them, stay close to Jesus. And now he says, here's how you're going to do it. He's going to keep you there. How? He, he's going to keep you from stumbling. How? Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. He says, he's able not only to keep you from stumbling, keep you from sin and falling, but he also gives you the ability to stand in his presence and notice how, with joy, with joy, to the only God and our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, Jude says, this is how it happens. You stand before God with joy. You stand before God blameless. You stand before God in great rejoicing because of Jesus. And this is where Jude is as he comes to the end of this writing. And he begins to just speak about he is able. 
And one of the words we see here, he is able, you are able to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless. That's not without fault. But I want to give you, uh, just in a very brief, it's amonos, A-M-O-M-O-S. It's unblemished because of him. It's spotless because of him. It's spotless because of him. What he's telling you is, and I, is we don't, when we leave this place, we don't have to go out, of, go out of here with a bunch of apologies for being a Christian. We don't have to apologize because we believe in Jesus and we don't want to hurt you. The word of God says, he's able, you've got God on your side. We have the Lord on our side. And it says, he is able, notice, keep us from stumbling. Second, he makes us stand in the presence of his glory blameless. And we do it with great joy. And there we are as his children, going out, leaving this place, carrying the torch of Jesus Christ, getting close to the Olympics, isn't it? Coming this summer. But you know what we're doing? We're carrying the banner of King Emmanuel when we leave here. But Jude says, stay, stay real close to that fire. Stay close to Jesus. Take the risk to bless. And know it is he who gives you all power and all honor and all ability. And if you look at how Jude ends this, and it's just a, such a beautiful testimony at the end of this uh, writing, he said, to the only God, our Savior. Jude was writing about people who believed in many gods. We believe in one God, one true God, our Savior, one Redeemer. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and then he stops and he says, he, if you notice, I believe four things he says. He said, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. All four of those speak of the magnificent, exalted position of Jesus. But it also speaks about what we have to share. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time. And then Jude says, now and forever. Amen. And he ends this blessed writing that encapsulates just what? Uh, 25 verses. But it challenges all of us as we leave this place to go out there and live for Jesus. You know, just to rewind in the story I told 1,700 years ago, you take those 40 soldiers in the ice and it was getting cold outside, but they were very warm inside. I know it. Because when the spirit of God is in you and you see the power of God and the only way those people could stand out there in that ice is because they could claim that verse now into him that is able to keep me from falling. It was getting cold out there, but they were getting warm in here. And dare I say that that is really the way God works so often in our Christian lives. He warms us through colder times. He warms us in places that we did not think that we would need to go. And there it was. They were lighting a fire for Jesus. And you know the beauty of the gospel and the, the beauty of the Christian life is within the heart of a child of God, you got a fire that will never go out. No one can take it out. Matter of fact, I, I want to give you this verse before, I, before we conclude in John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30. 
And here John just simply says, my sheep hear my voice. Notice the condition. First, my sheep hear my voice. Then he says, I know them. I, Jesus, know them. God's got his eye on his sheep. Jesus has his eye on his sheep. And they follow me. They hear me. I know them. They follow me. And I will give eternal life to them. And they'll never perish. Look at that. That's his sheep who hear his voice, know him, follow him. He says, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There's a lot of people out here that want to snatch our children out of our homes, our grandchildren out of our homes. Claim this today as parents. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. God says, we're together. You talk about warmth. When God the Father and Jesus the Son are together and the Holy Spirit are there and the three are one, you've got a power that can't be thwarted in Jesus. And this is why Luke is, Jude is saying, stay so close to Jesus. You've got that power. You've got the presence of Jesus to go with you. You've got the warmth of his spirit to guide you and to lead you. And he just ends, and I want to end in that last verse again, because this is how he sums it up. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now, before all time, now and forever. Amen. And if anyone here has reached a place in your life that you've said, Lord, I really, really want you to go with me all the way, and it's been really cold where I've been, I want to welcome you to the warmest place there will ever be in heaven. But it starts here. It starts right now. And that is in the family of God and in a relationship with Jesus that we've even studied here about John and fellowship. It's the warmest place to be. And it could be ever so cold out there. I know that right here in our congregation, there's some that say, wow, it has been really cold out there. Yeah, the weather in Phoenix has been nice, but it's been really cold. I want to invite you to enter into the presence of God this morning and let him lead and let him guide, and let him direct, and, and give us that power to just walk with him in rejoicing. You remember that? That he's willing to uh, present us to the Lord with great joy, just that we could rejoice with Jesus today. We could experience that grace and that peace that we don't have to fear. And yes, it is cold out there. We live in a dark world, but we have the light of Jesus within us, we have the warmth of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of who he is and the word behind us affirming, you're my child. And I'm not gonna leave you and I'm not gonna forsake you. And you know, I used to be kind of this guy, hold, hold and be careful of that verse because what if someone grabs it and runs the other way? No, no, no. If you're struggling this morning where God is in your life, grab that verse and hang on. Just don't let go of that. Quote it all week long. Lord, you've promised me you'll never leave me or forsake me. And I'm gonna claim that. I'm gonna believe that. And then it is as we believe that, we can even back up and look back. We can take those risks. We can actually take those steps. We can choose to be close to Jesus, keeping ourselves in the love of God.
and God himself is going before us. And he's around us, and he's protecting us. And he's giving us complete grace to live the Christian life. And we begin to find peace. It's okay, because God's there. And God will, will be with us all the time, and he won't leave us. If anyone desires prayer today at the close of this service, we'll have one more song. May there be an altar that just keeps growing up here. That's my heart. May there be an altar that keeps growing. It should be okay to pray anytime. It isn't just because I had something bad happen last week. No, pray because we want to get close to God. And maybe I shared this a few weeks ago. I was at a little Calvary in Washington State, probably a quarter this size or third. They filled up the altar after church. Just a whole bunch of people that needed Jesus. And that's really who we are. And it's okay. But our worship team will come back. We'll have prayer. And if God is speaking to you, and even if he's speaking to you about your salvation, don't walk out of here without surrendering to Jesus Christ. Because it's really cold out there. But in Jesus, it's very, very warm. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your amazing truths. Lord, I thank you that you care enough for our people, our dear ch your children and our people who worship you in spirit and truth, that you just give us the word that we so deeply and desperately need to guide us, to challenge us, to, to bring us back here, Lord. And Lord, may you have your perfect way in every life that's here. Oh, Lord, I pray that where you have spoken in the heart of someone, and only you know who you've spoken to, you know, but where you've spoken, Lord, your children, oh, each of us can respond to you. Oh, give us that, that sense of your presence to remain very close to you and yet to care deeply enough for others that are willing to take a step to help and yet to look at you as, your, as the one who's completely able to keep what we have committed unto you against that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I just pray, Lord, your will could be done in your body until you come for your bride and we can be a part of that willing response to your work as your children. In Christ's name we pray, amen.